Hey everyone, I wanted to jump on here to remind you all of season two of Office Hours. It launches this Friday, June 17th on Apple TV. We've got the biggest celebrities, athletes, entertainers, and the world thought leaders on this season. And I can't wait for all of you to start watching this Friday. Each week, I'm going to share some of my favorite conversations from this upcoming season. So today, you're going to get an early preview of one of the best conversations we had during season two. We were fortunate to be joined by the incredible Ed Milet, and he did not disappoint. I hope all of you enjoyed today's episode, and remember to start streaming Office Hours on Apple TV this Friday. This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer with Office Hours. Once again, super excited. This next guest has changed my life, and I have to admit, when... I got invited onto the Ed Milet show. I really didn't know who Ed Milet was because I just had entered the podcasting world. I'd been more a traditional business person in the sports world, but everybody on my team and everyone that I told freaked out that I was going to be at Ed Milet's house on the Ed Milet show. And so I was very curious and excited. And Ed, welcome to the show, first of all. But when I met you, it was instant. It was. I, and... It reminds me of when my wife skateboarded by my house when in the fourth grade. Really? That deep? Yeah. It was like, oh, this, this guy and I have been brothers in a yeah. past life. I believe that. And the conversation, and I think we did back-to-back podcasts. You we were one of my first guests, blessed to be on. But the time stood still, and I learned more than any other podcast I think I, I still have done. And the thing that I learned that was so interesting was the idea of what I was doing to limit myself. Like, I, I, I never really thought about it in the terms in which you articulated it, which was this thermostat that I had. Yeah. And you started to equate how my success was limited. And even though I had exceeded the expectations of my family and my friends and myself, that I had to reset down to zero because I hadn't worked some things out. I always wanted to ask you, so now I have the opportunity where did you learn that? Like, where, where did you learn that we have these thermostats? I call it now an energetic and genetic inheritance Ooh. because I went into a deep dive of research to yeah. figure this out. Yeah. Well, you always say things better than I do. Just very quickly, when that day happened, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to know Dave the rest of my life, and I think I've known him in a previous life, right when you left. It was just an amazing day. I actually just got little chills on my hairless arms here. But this thermostat idea came for me when I was playing college baseball. I would watch these guys with unbelievable ability, better ability than I have. I was just talking to somebody off camera here who's a great athlete in this prime. And they had this thing that somehow, no matter how good they got, no matter how good the opportunity was, they'd find a way to sort of cool their career back down again. And it was this internal thermostat, this governor, that told them that's what they were worth. Your thermostat setting is it's your identity, which is the thoughts, beliefs, and real concepts that you believe to be the most true about you. And you will find a way to get your life to what you believe you're worth and you deserve regardless of the external circumstances. So a thermostat in the room, it can be 60 degrees outside. If it's 75 degree thermostat, you will turn the heater on and get there. Consequently, though, if it's 90 or 95, you will eventually find a way to turn the thermostat on in your life and cool it back down to what you think you're worth. That's why you'll see people lose a bunch of weight, but their thermostat setting 75 degrees of health, they'll put it back on again. Make a bunch of money, cool it back down again. Be in a great relationship, then they're out of it. And so I just watch this with athletes all the time. Why is it the most talented players aren't always the ones who are the greats? Tom Brady is not the most physically equipped athlete of all time. Aaron Rodgers is a much more talented quarterback. 
One guy's got seven Super Bowls. One guy's got a losing record in the postseason in the last 10 years, right? And I think that's a thermostat setting. And when the pressure's on, you go back to your thermostat setting. So I've just always watched. I've watched it in life. And, and in your case, you have an extremely high one. You're being humble. That's why the results have been so good. So, Ed, everybody has a podcast today. Everybody. I mean, it's, it's like the thing to do now. Kids have podcasts, right, David? I mean, like everybody has a podcast. And a lot of podcasts are to be informative. Uh, but only a few are really inspiring, and like, like yours. And, and those are the ones that are really most successful. So how did, how did, you, how did this happen for you? you know, people who have these inspiring podcasts and, and, and inspiring coaches have said that they come from a different background, but at some point they felt they had some kind of calling. So what was it for you? Did you experience that? Yeah, I did. My, my dad was an alcoholic growing up. Great question. <laughs> my dad was an alcoholic growing up, and so that really affected my self-worth, that identity that we were talking about. I had none. And so I then got some mentors in my life that really poured into me. And in hindsight, I found out all these things, everyone says this, everything's happening for you, not to you. But the truth is, in my life, I have maybe like three or four real skills. I've been able to take those skills in the service of other people, build a pretty good life. That's a blissful person finds out their two or three gifts, and then how do you apply those gifts in the service of others? One of my crazy good gifts is my ability to listen. And, and the reason I had to listen and observe, be present, is why Dave and I connected. When my dad would come home, and I'm five years old, I got three little sisters, I'd have to watch dad when he walked through the front door. And even though that was a traumatic time in my life, was this, I'd have to read him at five and be present. Is this drunk dad who I need to hide my sisters from and have mom and I maybe go upstairs? Or is dad sober and we're gonna go in the backyard and play catch? And so I started reading people and being present with them. And then the second thing was I'd have to persuade him. I'm talking five, six years old communicate with him to move him where I want. My dad ended up being sober, became one of my best friends. But it was born out of this event. And I just feel like now with technology, if you can have one or two people, not 50 podcasts, just a few, but if you can find someone who will make a difference in your life that can whisper the right energy into you every week, because it's not the words or the tactics, although that matters. It's a vibrational frequency. It's an energy that people feel when they connect with somebody that I had those mentors in my life. If I didn't, I, I have no idea where I would be because I didn't have it in my home. And so for me, that you can be in your home, your car, your gym instantly with a podcast. And so that's why I do it. And just real quick, just to be fair for your father, because I talk about my father in my, when he left me when I was five. And yep. a lot of times we don't get an opportunity to show the praise and grace yeah, you uh, of, and I know your father just passed away. Yep. And... I got to share with you a moment that I didn't really understand. So I was hoping you could just share how you felt when your dad passed and how long it took you to process the significance of his passing. Probably still processing it. You know, the real truth is that I'm in the personal development and change your life space because I watched my dad live one way for 40 years and then I watched him make one decision. Finally made one decision. Your one decision, I believe this in my heart, your one decision, one relationship, one meeting, one encounter from completely changing your life. And my dad did that. And then I watched this man become the spectacular hero of mine the second half of his life. And so when he passed, I lost legitimately my hero. But what I, I took with it was that humans can change. We can all change. And, and we're, a lot of us carry around the shame of our past. I've made this mistake. Dave was a very wealthy man, then he wasn't, right? And I've had that experience. And, People carry these bags of their failures in their lives, and you can drop them at any time with a new decision. That's not hokey. 
It's not fake, it's real. And my dad, when he got sober, I'll tell you one really quick thing. I believe in the power of one more. I got a book out about it now called The Power of One More. When my dad finally got sober, I said, Daddy, are you gonna stay sober the rest of your life? And he goes, I'm gonna stay sober for one more day, Eddie. And my dad ended up staying sober one day at a time the rest of his life. And for those of you that are thinking about quitting what you're doing, just don't quit for one more day. Just make one more phone call. If you're thinking of harming yourself or anything like that, just don't do it for one more day. You'd be surprised the power of one more. And then the last thing I would say is, if you want to know the power of one more, what if I took it from you? What if I said, you only have one more conversation with your daughter, with your mother, with your spouse. You only have one more chance to tell them I love you. How precious would that meeting be? I can't even begin to tell you, I'm a pretty wealthy dude, what I would give for one more round of golf with my dad. Sincerely, like one more round of golf with my dad. And so I think I just left there feeling like I wanted to honor him with my life. You know, like I want to honor this man with the rest of my life. I talk about him a lot. I wrote a book called The Power of One More, sort of honoring what he taught me. And, um, and I'm, I think any of you that have lost somebody, honor them. And if they're still here, make them proud of you while you're still here and they're still here. You've still got a chance. You've got one more day. And so, yeah, that's sort of what I think about my dad. I love that. It's, I love it. I know. I'm like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I and I feel like um, just having meeting, met you, just your success is really impressive and incredible. And I love that you talk about mentorship because I've been really blessed to have amazing mentors in my life. And it sounds like you've had such incredible mentors for yours. What advice would you give to all of the listeners today on how to find those mentors in, them, in their lives that will help them become these people that they are destined to become? Great question. I, I'm a big believer in the law of reciprocity. And I think you'd be surprised that no matter who you think is really, really successful, reaching out to somebody with a sincere compliment or an act of service. Let me tell you how Dave and I met. I kept getting messages from this guy back and forth. How can I be of service to you? How can I be of service to you? What can I do for you? I'm just going to tell you that no one else ever messaged me something like that before. It was mainly, what can I get from you? And you would stand out if you said, how can I serve you? And even if you said, I have, how can I help an Ed Milet or a David Meltzer? How can I help someone like that? You'd be surprised. Um, even something like saying, hey, I just want you to know I said a prayer for you. That would stand out to me. You know, I care about you. And I, people ask me in my life, how did you end up mentoring all these like, politicians and athletes and entertainers and stuff? It's because that I, I, I offered them something. And it might just be my belief in them. You'd be surprised the distance it goes to truly believe in somebody and how fake a lot of it is with someone who's successful. And when there's a sincere exchange of, hey, I love you. My whole life changed, by the way, I have to tell you, my, from my dad again, just really quickly to answer the question of mentorship. My dad came home from his first AA meeting. I had graduated college. I was broke. I was living at my dad's house on, in the same bed I grew up in, eating out of his fridge. And he goes, hey, I got you a job tomorrow. And I go, well, what is it? He goes, you, you don't get to choose, man. You're eating out of the fridge. Get your butt down there tomorrow. And I show up to this place, and it's an orphanage, all boys, hundreds of them. And I walked into Cottage 8, I'm going to cry, and my life changed. There were, I had 10 boys there. They were 8, 9, and 10 years old, all my boys. They were wards of the court. Their parents were dead, incarcerated, or had molested them. I had no preparation for this. I'm not a psychologist. I was a college baseball player. Instantly, I'm their dad. I'm taking them trick-or-treating. I'm there when the girl breaks up at school. I walked them to school every morning. I was there when they opened their presents. I was there when an uncle didn't show up. And I learned the greatest lessons of business ever there. All these little boys wanted, and I'm, I've, I've lived my whole business life this way. They wanted someone to love them, care about them, believe in them, and just show them how to do a little bit better. 
And I have found out that's every human, not just my boys. So mentorship is loving someone, caring about them, believing them, and just showing them how to do a little bit better. And I've literally lived my whole business life that way. And I started my business. My business is one that I was there. And again, that came from my dad, that one decision, my dad getting sober. I go to McKinley Home for Boys, and now I'm sitting here with you guys. Amazing. Blast. Crazy. First of all, Adam, I'm having a hard time following all this out because I just recently lost my father. I'm sorry. I feel for you. And um, you know, something I wanted to ask you, though, that stood out, I, I remember listening to a podcast of yours back in, I think it was like April of 2020 during the pandemic. It was Alex Rodriguez. A-Rod, yeah. That you had on there. Mm -hmm. And you were telling a story about how you had this recurring dream for years yeah. that you were supposed to be starting in center field. The game was starting. They wouldn't let you in the stadium. And you were talking about how you just didn't give it your all. Correct. And I've had instances like that in my life. And I've used those to motivate me never to do that again. And I've always wanted to ask you, did you use that? And I never thought I'd actually be asking this question. Yeah, what a tremendous so, question. Yes, um, I, had to, I, I played college baseball when I was a good player, and I always kept a little bit in reserve. I just didn't give it everything. It looked like I gave it everything. You can make it look like you're right. giving it everything when you're not. And uh, I do have this recurring dream, and it's I'm 50 years old. About once a month, it still happens. I know I'm in it, but I can't get out of it. And what it is is that I'm outside the stadium, and I can hear the announcer going, starting center fielder, number eight, Eddie Milet. And I can't get in the stadium. I'm dressed in the uniform. I can't get in. I finally, I'm running. I finally get to the security guard. I go, hey, I'm the starting center fielder. He goes, you can't get in, man. It's over. Game's over. Sorry, buddy. I don't know who you are. You can't get in here. And I have this dream because I left a little bit in reserve. And I can tell you that everything I have done since, and that's where max out my slogan comes from, I did not max out that opportunity. And I don't know that I've ever played a professional baseball player, I'm not sure about that, but I will never know. And I'm okay with failing if I've given everything to something and it just didn't work, but living with the regret in a relationship or in a business environment or a sport where you left a little bit in reserve haunts me to now 30 years later as a 50-year-old man. And so I talk about this all the time and I think about it all the time. Even when I'm, little things like I worked out today at the gym, there's a bunch of young guys in there that I met that follow me in there. And there was a part of me, I was like, I can't get through this workout, I'm gonna leave. That's like, I, wonderful <laughs> dudes, I talk about, I can't get through the workout. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm gonna, I didn't give this everything I've got. I've got, and, and that everything I've got is one more. So I'm gonna do 30 minutes on the treadmill, I do 31. I'm gonna do eight reps, I'm gonna do nine. I'm gonna make four phone calls today, I'm gonna make five. And so that's where the one more actually comes from, is yeah. I'm never again going to do three when I could have done four of anything. So, yeah, I think about it all the time. It's one of those times you wish you had a six-hour show. Yes. Oh. Yes. Every time I'm with Ed, my lad, I wish I had six hours, as he probably does when he meets those kids in the gym. And I know that's what really frustrates you, is not that you can't get your workout done, no. is you don't have the time. It's that to we took an hour work. talking about their lives because I care about them. And then at the end, I went, wow, I didn't work out. I love these dudes. <laughs> Which is where I'm going to end because there's something, you know, as my faith has grown throughout these years, when I meet people and have attracted people like all of you and especially this guy right here, he always says something that just, it almost makes me cry every time you say it because I'm one of the few people that believe it. God is good. God is good. Yeah. And I tell this dude that all the time when I'm with him. People ask me all the time, like, where does confidence come from? And I'll just say this lastly, where I think maybe people could maybe find a higher identity. Like, how do I change this? How do I get more confidence? Confidence is keeping the promises you make to yourself. That's all confidence is. Repeatedly keeping the promises you make to yourself. If you lack confidence, you have a pattern of not keeping promises you make to you. But my confidence and identity comes from three places. The first is my faith. 
that whatever your God is, whoever he or she is, I can tell you that you were made to do something great with your life in big ways and small ways. You were born to do something great with your life. And I know that about me, and I know that about you. The second thing, though, is this. Nobody gives themselves credit for their intent, their intentions. When I was a young man, I'm running on the beach in Hawaii. Other guys running towards me. It's Wayne Dyer. If you don't know who Wayne Dyer is, everybody, Google him. And at that time, he was writing a book called The Power of Intention. And I sat on the beach with this man for two hours. It changed my life. And I started to take credit. He told me, Eddie, you're a good man. You intend to do good. That means there should be favor come your way. You're vibrating at the right frequency. Good things are going to come back to you. And so my identity comes from the fact that I know I intended to do well today. I intended to serve people. I'm kind. I, I'm a pretty gentle guy. I want to make a difference in the world. So I give myself credit for that. And then the third is associations is finding a mentor, is being around people who live at a thermostat setting higher than you. But the holy trilogy of identity is faith, intention, and association. And if you put those three together, you're going to change your life. Need we say more. The incredible Ed Milet. Thank you, as always. God is good, and so are you. I'm blessed to have you and our show, but also in my life. Thank you so much.